trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. And we do what the fuck we want to do. Yo, me and E, we get dumb, retarded. Up in Star Trek territory, space uncharted. Far from the formulas we get bombarded with. We're just trying to reach our target. Audience, which is beyond the sun. And they won't hear this till 3001. Welcome, everybody, to the Green Room. We're doing it live here in Denver, Colorado. Actually, this is live to tape because I'm at the Laugh Track Comedy Festival here in uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado. I'm hanging out here in the Green Room, actually, in the Oriental Theater. The Oriental Theater, I don't know if they got the... I don't know if they're the most politically correct theater, but I'm hanging out here in the rafters. I'm up in the green room. I'm set up. I brought my uh, mobile recording studio. I'm out here in Denver. I'm uh, I'm actually a part of the Laugh Track Comedy Festival. Seems to be a, uh, I don't know, the, the theater looks really cool. Really looking forward to performing here. I'll be uh, performing here tonight, so uh, I'm not sure what time you'll be downloading this, but there's still a chance if you're in the Denver area to come out. Or tomorrow night, I'll be in uh, Boulder at the Lazy Dog, the uh, Boulder Stand-Up Comedy Club, new club they got there. And then Tuesday night, I'll be back here in Denver at the High Dive, and Thursday, culminating at Omaha at the Side Door Lounge. Of course, go to ShantiGreen.com to get the details there on this uh, mini green room tour. And what a tour it's been so far. Haven't uh, haven't done any stand-up yet, just doing this uh just getting this podcast going here and getting out here. That's, uh, it's been a, uh, it's just been awesome, man. You know, it, there's that, uh, there's that line everyone likes to quote in, uh, Dumb and Dumber where they go, Oh, that John Denver, he's, he's full of shit. I thought this was going to be a whole lot rockier, which is, a, it's a great, it's a great line. They're lost. They're up in Nebraska. They went the wrong way. Funny joke. But in all seriousness, John Denver, he was on to something, man. He was on to something. When you get out here, I grew up in Denver as a kid. I grew up in uh, Denver, Colorado, or just outside of Denver from about kindergarten to sixth grade. I moved back to Pennsylvania in sixth grade. And I forgot just how awesome it is having these majestic mountains, you know, the Purple Mountains Majesty. I'm hanging out there. I'm, I'm driving through these mountains, and you, and you forget, you take for granted how awesome it is. And you, you really do get a high, a natural high, which is uh, supposedly the best high. I don't know. I haven't experienced a lot of natural highs in my life, but I hear those are the best. I don't know if it's the elevation or just the beauty, but you just you just get high on life, man. It's it's great being out here, and it's just so refreshing from coming from Los Angeles where you're driving around, you see uh, barbed wire everywhere, you see graffiti everywhere. It, it, yeah, I mean, all right, I, I, I just moved into this uh, neighborhood in Silver Lake, kind of a hipster area, a lot of Latin people, and I don't know what it is about littering. I don't know if it's a hipster thing, it's a uh, Mexican thing, a Latin American thing. I don't know what it is, but it's much more prevalent. Maybe it's the bums roaming around. I don't know. The And there's just a lot of litter, and there's just something unsettling about litter. Because when I walk around in the neighborhood, you see stuff that's litter, and it just... It, it feels not right. It's like I want to put that away. It feels like unfinished business that you're just surrounded in. I'm just awash in litter. And the neighborhood isn't even that bad. I don't feel unsafe. I just feel like i got to get a dustpan and broom just to walk around my neighborhood. One piece of litter in particular has been driving me crazy. There is a – I don't know how many gallons off the top of my head, but I'm thinking maybe a 10-gallon toilet just sitting outside someone's front yard – you know, that little uh, patch of yard they have between the sidewalk and the actual street. It's just sitting there, and it's, it's been driving me crazy because since we've moved in there a month and a half ago, someone has just littered a toilet. 
Now, the irony there is that we created the toilet so that we wouldn't have to live in our own waste, and you're just leaving a toilet there so that we can soil in our own waste. I mean, people died in the bubonic plague because we didn't have toilets. Those people literally lost their lives. Souls went to another dimension because we couldn't flush a toilet, and we're so cavalier that we're just going to leave them out there on our front lawn, and then that becomes litter, and then that becomes garbage. Why can't we just throw out a toilet? And then to add insult to injury, people are coming by and tagging this toilet, which it used to be litter. Now it just seems to be a gathering point for uh, gang members to meet up. Maybe this is, you know, hey, I'll meet you over at the shitter. We'll figure things out, get a lay of the land. And it's it's just unsettling to see a toilet. Okay, a Snickers bar, okay, I get it. Or, or maybe a can of Coke you throw out the window. I'm still against that. But the toilet, it should not be sitting there. It shouldn't be sitting there. And it just shows, like, when you see that, you go, oh, hey, this is a society where no one gives a shit. I'll just throw my stuff everywhere. And I don't like it. I don't like it. Colorado, I'm appreciating. Way less litter. Because when you got those nice mountains in the background, you feel like, oh, hey, maybe I won't throw my trash out here. I don't want to ruin the mountains. But when you're just looking at freeway overpasses and, uh, you know, the garbage that is Los Angeles, you're like, hey, it's not my problem, man. Not my problem. But I'm really enjoying my time out here in Denver. And I'm actually staying with a, uh, a high school friend who coincidentally lives three miles away from the theater. He was nice enough to let us crash there. And I, I say high school friend, but at, at the time in high school, I don't even know how great friends we were. He was just a guy that – it was actually I was terrified of the man. I was terrified of the man because we played football together. He was super big jack dude, always worked out. Now he's in the Army. And a very aggressive dude, and I would just get annihilated by this guy in these uh, linebacker drills in football because I was a linebacker, 5'9", uh, 165. You know, this guy's 6'3", 230, and he would just be throwing forearm shivers into my gut, knocking the wind out of me. And it's funny how that gets ingrained in you. And now you know, he's grown up or, or whatever. I mean, he was a fine guy. He just, on the football field, beat the living crap out of me, so I was terrified of him. And it's funny how that stays with you. You know, this is 10, 11 years later. I'm shaking his hand, looking him in the eye, and I can't help but think, oh, my God, please don't hurt me. This man is he's, he's not, hey, hey uh, Sean, funny guy. Hey, come on in. I'll be happy to let you stay at the pad. Oh, hey, we'll check out the Comedy Fest. Love to check out your shows. The guy's been very welcoming and hospitable, but still in the back of my head, I'm thinking, no, this is a trap. This is a trap, man. Don't fall for it, Green. Don't fall for it. At some point, I just picture a tackling dummy is going to come out, and I'm going to be holding it, and he's going to be driving me into the ground, and uh, you know, football coach is going to be spitting dip around my head, going, "You'll never make it in this world." So I, I have those. Uh, I have those flashbacks. But he's a great guy, and it's it's just been awesome, just hanging out here, soaking up this thin air, catching the thin air buzz. That I like to call the Rocky Mountain High, and I'm I'm high on this uh, this whole laugh track comedy event. I got a uh, a few group of comedians I'm going to bring on. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm taping this before, and then I'll tape a little bit of wrapping uh, wrapping up after the show is over. But uh, yeah, stay tuned, guys, and we have an amazing program in store. Okay, we are hanging out here in the green room, literally and uh, physically. We're in the green room of the Oriental Theater, and I'm here with uh, Chris Sharpentier. Chris, uh, thanks for coming on the program. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is cool. No problem. So uh, explain to people, where where are you from? I'm from here, from Denver. I guess from here doesn't really okay. <laughs> it doesn't work, but from Denver, Colorado. I've lived here my whole life. So Okay. And uh, so, all right, you grew up in the Denver area, and what age did you start getting into comedy? Uh 
been a fan, obviously, like um, pretty much every comedian my whole life. But yeah. uh, started that would action. be that would be kind of crazy if someone got into comedy without being a fan of it before. Like, <laughs> yeah. That would take a certain individual. I feel like some performance art people must not have been a fan of comedy, right? And just start doing. I, th- I think we've seen those comedians, right? I'm sure you have. Well, supposedly Andrew Dice Clay, he wasn't a fan of comedy. He wanted he well, so he claims. Who knows? But. He wanted to be an actor, and huh. he was acting and was just awful at it. So he created this character of, hey, I'm Andrew Dice Clay, right. and the only way he could perform it was at open mics. And then people really were like, yeah, that's really good. And then somewhere he got lost in the character and became right. Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> like, I think he needed to realize there was a line between yeah. the character and the person, but now they're just meshed together, and he's just this sad, fat person. So. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's what I've heard as well. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He seems like a real dick around town. But so you, uh, so who, who like kind of inspired you to get into stand-up comedy? Uh, it was actually a, a good friend of mine, and uh, he's a stand-up comic. His name is Mark Lee, and uh, he's a good guy around here, around town. And we were roommates at the time. Okay. And I've uh, been friends forever since I was like sixteen. And uh, he actually started signing me up for the open mic at Comedy Works, which is like the big club. Yeah, in that's town. the big club around. Yeah, and uh, so that's how I did it. He started signing me up without my knowledge, and he was <laughs> like, "Hey, you, uh, you're up pretty soon, so you better uh, have a few minutes worth of jokes." So okay. I was literally forced into it. But uh, after the first time, I was like, "Holy shit, I can't!" Oh, can I cuss? Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you can cuss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, Dude, "I can't stop." I mean, it's I'm addicted. So yeah, I'm, it is is one of those things. Once you get yeah. into it, you're you're really hooked into it. You know, what is? Yeah. I mean, I know this is uh, is tough to explain uh, off the top of your head or uh, concisely, but what is your kind of voice? What you know? There's one liner guys. Sure, there's, sure. Um, I, real I am, stories. I'm more of a story type of person and silly. Not like uh, not so much weird silly, but silly silly. Kind of. I'm more clean. Uh, okay. Or cleaner, I guess. I don't know. I'm a, a, more of like a fun loving. Just kind of silly. It's, uh, I, <laughs> I'm a fun-loving dude. I just yeah, love exactly. fun. It's silly. Uh, John Mulaney was just at Comedy Works this okay. past weekend. Yeah, I know that. And, uh, I mean, I'm not comparing myself to John Mulaney. Sure. You're along, much better. Yeah. But along, right. But along those uh, that same style of just kind of silly jokes... There's no real moral or point. I don't. Okay. I don't have a so lot it's of lighthearted, lighthearted, fair. Yeah, exactly. Something that uh, you know, fun from four to one hundred and four. Everyone can find something exactly that they enjoy. Yep. Now That's what? It seems like every comedian has a story of oh hey here this is how I was damaged or this is what bad happened to me and then I decided I just had to learn to laugh. Sure. Was there something that in your life that um, made you realize like oh I want I have a strong sense of humor I want to develop it? Sure. Um, Again, it was that guy, Mark, Mark Lee, and okay. uh, I was in a weird drug rehab cult, and uh, when I was really young, when I was like 16, I got into a weird rehab, and uh, I met him there, and he actually got me into doing improv comedy, and just uh, realizing that I was naturally funny, he kind of pushed me into a thing. And, into the stand-up? Yeah, exactly, and so eventually, once I started doing that, and I was like 23 at the time, and then at the first like year, I was kind of just doing it. I didn't know, yeah, because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know about like open mics, and I was just kind of doing it when I could and awkwardly. Yeah, just as a as yeah. a hobby. And then after that, like the last like five years or whatever, four years have been like pretty much nonstop. Like once I was like, oh, there's other places to do it, and yeah, oh, like every night, oh, hey, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so then then I really started doing it and progressing and getting better and all of that stuff. So that's cool. So yeah. Chris, let's let's crack your nut here. How do you get into a weird drug rehab called at sixteen? Uh, by doing lots of drugs when you're a kid. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I, uh, I had like dropped out of school when I was a sophomore. Oh, uh, really? In high school. Sophomore in high school? Yeah. Now what, were you just, um, 
What what brought that on? Was, I it? was it was all drug stuff and snowboarding. I really you know growing up in Colorado, I ditched school <laughs> a lot to snowboard and uh, but I I just did a lot of drugs and uh, I was like selling and smoking weed and okay. uh, selling LSD and things okay. along those lines. I Sixteen, was, that's a little early to be exactly. dabbling in LSD sales. Exactly. And my parents, so my parents being the good people that they are, my parents are awesome. They put me into a rehab. Yeah. Unbeknownst to them, it ended up being a really awkward and terrible place that I spent the next like five years or so because I got wow. out when I was 21. Wow. But you, were, was... you were put in a rehab for five years. Yeah. yeah. And now like were, a... you, were you still going to school? Uh, no, because uh, I, I eventually did go back while I was in there, but it wasn't like immediate. It was like a few, I guess like a year after I had been in this place, I went back and finished high school. But I had, I've been working like full time since I was 16 and Jeez, wow, like that's crazy. To, so what kind of day job did you have? Uh, for a long time, it was like bagel places and sandwich shit nice. shops type stuff. And then, Hey, uh, you're, t- you're looking no, at hey. a guy who's worked at two separate Quiznos, okay? <laughs> right I, on, right on. We can, we can do a little sandwich <laughs> artisan talk a- after that's the awesome. podcast. So now did you – you're 16. Obviously, yeah. when you first get put into rehab, yeah. you're very – you got to be very angry at your parents. Like, very much hey, so. what are you doing? I want to yeah. take LSD and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, do a 180 down in Loveland or something. Yes, right, right. <laughs> so now when does it when does it turn – or when do you realize that because at 16, that's got to be tough. When do you yeah. realize, like, this is a cult? It's a little deeper than just a drug rehab program. Uh, oddly enough, uh, I was being a, a, as most comedians are, of a strong personality when put in certain situations. Like, I'm yeah. a pretty shy person. But in there, through over time, I turned into, I don't even know what you want to call it, but something to where I was, uh, like, considered to be a counselor for the place. Okay. And uh, I was uh, going through that whole process, and they actually deterred me from it. Uh, because the guy that was, uh, like the director of the place that would have helped me go along and through the process ended up quitting like two weeks after he told me that I shouldn't do it. Okay. Because he was like, holy shit, this place is fucked up. <laughs> so <laughs> so I've, I saw him years later and we talked about it and he was like, yeah, I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to like crush you. I mean, it was a weird. Well, and, and it's weird because obviously the rehab part is good. The yes. not doing drug part is good. That's how were they, they uh, were they having you buy into certain religious things or where, where did so they much, cross the cult line? Uh, money. Money. Oh, they were okay. sucking money out of everybody. And, uh, oh, and they incur. I mean, so from when I was 16, I had like a full time job. They didn't encourage me to go back to school. They didn't really encourage me to do anything. And they really do this weird separation thing where you're like a little bubble in this world of these people. I lived with them. I worked with them. And then you hang out at night with them. And you just don't do drugs, but basically everything else. Like they did, there was no like real restriction. Like they were, it was a very odd, it would take a long time. And they get in your, the the weird part about it is they get in your brain. And when you're like a 16 year old kid. Yeah. Well, obviously, obviously you're very easily manipulated. Yeah. You're pissed off. And all it took for them to get me was, uh, you're, well, we'll let you smoke cigarettes and we'll get your parents off your back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, so, which like, is in. which in. is like okay yeah then you yeah. under then you see like how cults start right uh, you're david koresh hey i know uh smoke on the water and acoustic guitar i can get you some uh yeah. marble you know it, some marble lights that's exactly i mean that's all you're it was. hooking up with 16 year old chicks that's all it was and it started off as like really cool like it was kind of fun all the counselors were really young and it just seemed like kind of a fun thing and then it wasn't really until i got out and went to an aa meeting because yeah. i was continuing to like stay sober where i was like wait a second I'm yeah. not even. I'm not even a goddamn alcoholic. I have no. Pro- I don't. I'm not even a drug addict. You know. I mean, I was a kid, like right. fucking around. You know. I like getting high because I didn't know when the next time I would get high was. So you get as high as possible. Like I didn't. 
I'm right. A drug so you problem. so it so it you took me a kind while. of felt you you don't feel like you're an addict anymore, or no. you don't you never felt like you were that. No, after I got out of that place, because they just I mean you hear it every day for a long time. Like, yeah, you're programmed of a, hey, you're an addict, you're right. an addict. Like and if then you get you... high again, you're gonna die. And then it was <laughs> and it was like oh my god. And then you know years later, like I, I smoke a lot of weed and I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you seem not, fine. Yeah, not a lot of problems. I have a regular old job and I do lots of jokes and I'm productive. Yeah. So you know it's a weird. It was a and weird now, time now, in my life. How is that? You said you're cool with your parents now, but sure, has yeah. there been underlying resentment that they didn't come and rescue you from this place sooner? Uh, no, we've talked about it actually, and it's uh, they were like, "You seemed happy. We knew it was weird, but you had like never been doing better. Like you were sober. You weren't getting in trouble. You were, you know, you went back to school. And it was like a, it would be like a, my my dad was against it, but my mom was like kind of arguing for it, and then my mom would be against it, and he would argue for it, and blah blah right. blah." And by the time that I told them, like, I'm like not an alcoholic, I'm going to stop doing all of that stuff, they were like, okay. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like a surprise to them. It was like, yeah, we kind of saw that coming, actually. So, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> a little too late for that. But, yeah. um, but, no, it's, you know, now, I mean, from that time, I was like 16. Now, I'm, you know, I'm almost 30. I'm 28. So, we've had a lot of time to repair things. And they're good people. It was all best intentions, you know. And I was... I mean, I was 16. I was causing a lot of problems. I was yeah. kind of a problem child. You're so. right. All right. I hear you, man. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Hold on. I'm just going to... Uh... All right. So... Uh... Okay. Sorry. I'll try to pick up here. No, it's fine. Well, that's good to hear that you've uh, you kind of worked things out with your parents. Yeah. I'm glad. Because it, it's weird. I mean, there's so much can go wrong raising a kid. And if you ask... I've never raised a kid, but if he was doing that kind of stuff at 16 and I saw this rehab thing, I'd probably be inclined to do the same thing and go, yeah, why not? And, and if he's happy and it seems mm-hmm. to be going well. Absolutely. And it was just... It just happened to be in my tiny little town in Broomfield, Colorado. Like... Just by just by chance, you know, it was just lucky that this place. I mean, it had just started. It was like right. this whole like a, just a perfect storm of, of, of bizarre coincidence. Yes, of well, which turned, turned out to be shit. Right, but in it. So, but also you, also in the long term, to be honest, like I learned a lot of good things there, like life lessons and how to be like a better person. That not everything was terrible, and I also gained some really great friends. And through that, I met that guy Mark, and I started doing comedy. Yeah. So honestly, right, maybe I would have never done comedy without it. So. Right. I mean, maybe you can compare it to the Catholic Church, where there are a lot of good people there Mm -hmm. teaching good values. And, okay, yeah, maybe uh, the hierarchy running it, and maybe there's the money-draining aspect and some of that. But when you get down to the the root of it, there are a lot of good people there who are just going, hey, let's be nice to each other. And on a a person-to-person basis, there's a lot of good going on there. But maybe you take a step back. And then obviously the uh, kid no. molesting that that really hurts the image. Yeah, but that's, you're exact. And I grew up Catholic too, so I know exactly. So what yeah, you're exactly. About. You, you oh, kind of yeah. get where I'm coming from. But there are you go to church. It's I, I grew up uh, Irish Catholic the same way, and it's yeah. like uh, you have so many issues with the church and the way it's run, and yeah. obviously covering up the scandals and stuff like that. And then you go to church and you see people that are like, "Hey, I'm just a humble person trying to live a good life," and you're yep. like, "This." This doesn't feel wrong, yep. and it feels like there's a lot of good going on there. Yeah, absolutely. That's my parents to a T, because they're very much church-going folk, which is fine. And uh, but yeah, they they're good people, and they you know, I, it's a good way to live your life if you believe it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad thing. They're not teaching people terrible things. You know, it's just right. You know, not my cup of tea. Exactly. For sure. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely, I, man. This is really fun. This yeah. is cool. This is, uh, I'm really excited for this festival to be in Denver and keep getting Denver like this, uh, a better name for comedy because it keeps 
It's blowing up here. I really yeah, no, I yeah, yeah. I was saying earlier on the show, I grew up in Denver from like kindergarten to sixth grade. Oh, okay. So it's kind of cool to get back here and 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 kind of see old places. You know, yeah, this, absolutely. You know, a dozen years down the line. So yeah, uh, and you you just did a show, weren't you, back here not too long ago with Andrew Orvidal? Oh no, no. Right? But I'm I'm going to be doing a show Tuesday at the High Dive with okay, Andrew. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I know Andrew from uh, Los Angeles. Perfect. I'm actually doing a show with Andrew tonight with oh, opening wow. for Dana Gould. It's going to be fucking. Oh, awesome. Dana Gould. Yeah, small I'm, world. No kidding, right? And uh, done. Show with him as well so perfect yeah it's gonna come, be awesome comes full circle where can uh, where can people check you out chris if they want to uh, get more to be honest with you really all i have is facebook okay that's really all i got going because i uh you know still in very much in the baby process of all of this <laughs> in my opinion anyway so okay we'll facebook check out chris uh Charpentier on facebook and uh thanks a lot chris best of luck in the festival and uh thanks for coming out man Absolutely. appreciate it thanks for having me appreciate it all right i'd like to welcome on to the green room brent the great brent the great is here at the laugh track comedy festival brent thanks for coming on man how you doing very well thank you for having me how are you today i'm doing great Good. doing great doing a lot of driving i just had a uh, red bull sugar free Oof. Trying to watch the figure. Well, it's yeah, kind of redu- uh, it's kind of an oxymoron. Red Bull sh- and sugar free. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're just looking for tons of energy without those empty calories. But meanwhile, the entire can is just empty calories. Yeah, yeah. and if you if you ever hang out with your, or if you're ever looking for some time to kill, just Google the ingredients in any sort of energy drink, and it'll really, it'll really kind of rattle your cage because you, like guarine. What the hell is guarine and taurine and all these. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's good uh, for you at all. You know, they they put out studies like, oh, energy drink isn't good for you. But that, I feel like that's pretty simple. When I drink an energy drink, I know this isn't good for me. This is an unnatural buzz I feel here. Yeah, you can just taste like this is very artificial. It does not feel natural. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is wholesome like an apple. You know instinctively. <laughs> that's, what, that's what always got me like old people when they said, oh, we didn't know cigarettes were bad. When you take a drag of a cigarette, you inhale it, you feel that coffin you that you know that's not good you think that's healthy do you think that's good for you i don't think so so now brent the great first off we got to address the name how do you get the name brent the great i'm i'm guessing possibly uh, you've given it to yourself Uh, a little of both uh i definitely made it stick that's for sure um i got I, i got the name given to me in high school as a complete joke Right, uh, like you know, for, fat guy. They call him Slim. For the yeah, pretty much. Well, I was trying to be like profound in my uh, high school yearbook, and uh, and so I made my quote, and I said Brent the Great. Um, so that kind of stuck around, and then um, it just kind of. To be honest, I it, you'd have to see me. You'd have to know me. Yeah, to, it's very true. It's Got very cargo true. shirts on, polo shirt. You know, I look like I just got off the driving range. Which yeah, is my exactly. I could see that. Look to, uh, to, to got a go, go got a goatee going. Absolutely, but I'm a raging pothead, and I don't look like one. It's really, really, really great. It's great, and um, you got to ask uh, the. Uh, to, to be honest, sure. Brent the Great comes from. Um, uh, I'm a phenomenal. This is weird. I'm a phenomenal lay. <laughs> which, which is which is awkward for to be talking. You about didn't need that. to raise your uh, your eyebrow when you when you, when you said that, Brent. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm guessing the the cargo shorts, the polo shirt. I'm get, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess straight. Uh, you know, but yeah, I, whatever yeah. your sexual orientation. Uh. Well, you know, I do own a cat. I'm 25 years old. I live alone in Capitol Hill of Denver, uh, which is gay central, with a cat. So I'm like one horrible decision away from being gay with this cat, but okay. I'm not. I'm not there yet. Not there yet. I'm not there yet. Still time. Uh, of course. So now you're you're here in Denver. Did you grow up in Denver? 
Uh, sort of. I uh, I grew up. I went to high school in Monument, Colorado, which is between Colorado Springs and Denver. Okay. Um, and then I uh, went to college in Boulder. Okay. Uh, and, and that's go when Buffaloes. I started, yeah, they go bus. That's right. And that's when I started doing comedy um, down in Denver. I started driving down every night instead of partying and getting wasted. I would get wasted in Denver. Okay. And then I moved down here, and I've been doing it ever since. I've been doing it for about in Denver. I've been doing it for about six years. I started technically. I started when I was about sixteen. Okay. Um, and then uh, now, what what was the what was the reason you started stand up comedy? What kind of got a you going? Completely uh, a, a complete attention hog. I, I wanted everyone to look at me all the time. And yeah. So I did I can, it. Well, I can see that because you seem – You come in immediately, hey, I'm Brent the Great. <laughs> look at me, Brent the Great. I see that. Very cocky. Very cocky. Now, where do you think that, that uh, craving attention comes from? Did you have a I lot of brothers youngest. and sisters? I was youngest. The youngest. Okay. And of all the grandkids, I was the youngest grandkid. Um, so I always got picked on. Um, I was always the one that uh, was fucking up the most and, uh, in life and had the biggest issues. Um, and really, I mean, I totally understand, you know, your family has, you know, all these kids and then you pop out like, yeah, we've been there, done that, seen that. Who, who gave I know how many, how many brothers and sisters do I you have? I have one brother, but my family uh, is very, very, very close. And we, uh, we have about, there's about six of us, um, that are like the beloved grandchildren. Okay. Um, and of the dynasty that we have created. And, uh, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and so I was the, I was always the, the, the last one. And so I always d- was trying to do something to catch everyone's eye. And so I did it at my high school talent show. And uh, it went you really, You did stand-up really well. comedy? Now, yeah. what, kind of, what kind of jokes are you doing at 16 at a talent show? At 16, you're talking about how the – I remember this pretty distinctively. You're talking about how the bathroom door – in the old part of the school, and the upstairs was locked, which is a horrible, horrible thing to happen when you have to shit your pants. Right. Uh, and, of course, you can't sit to say that at school, but that was it. And then I would talk about everything about me that everyone would make fun of me being loud. And it was a lot of personal stuff that everyone – now you, you know you say you had a uh, you screwed up a lot. What kind of what kind of uh, what kind, what's a big screw up for Ben the Great? I mean you're great. Brent the Great. Oh sorry, you're Brent good. the Great. <laughs> we can edit that out. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. That's the glory of post production. Yeah, I'll take um, that out. What's the, I'm sorry. What was the question again? No, oh, you, how did I fuck up? Yeah. What's a, what's a you know you call yourself Brent the Great, but what's a typical mess up for Brent the Great? A typical. <laughs> here's my most recent mess up for Brent the Great. Brent the Great recently had a black baby, um, which is weird because the girl he had it with is white, and Brent the Great is white as well. Yeah, that seems... A little, little like a fuck-up. It was. Uh, more so on her part, but my fuck-up was I believed woman um, over my boy, the, the Trojan Man. Uh, the Trojan okay. Man. All right, so now you're, you're, you're kind of bouncing around the real story. Sorry. Your girlfriend... No, booty call. Okay, so you, you have sex with this woman. For like two years. Okay, but just it's a casual yep. thing. You're just yep. hooking up. Yep. She gets pregnant. Yep. I man up after a long time. I man up. Okay, you say, hey, I'll help take care of the baby. Yep. Month later, this motherfucker starts. So when babies are born, no matter what race they are, they all c- come out like white because hmm. they were in a stomach. Oh, I, did. so, I didn't even yeah, know that. They're all white. E- like even black dad, black mom, the baby will come out white. Okay. And then it'll darken up. Okay. Um. So at first I'm like whatever I don't I don't fucking know babies this is my first time with a baby yeah <laughs> right I don't know this is not, I don't have any experience with this um, and so and it's weird because because when they come out they're like covered in what they call baby cheese which looks like that they just rolled the baby in some batter and it's ready to get deep fried it's really delicious looking but uh, the the baby like I started getting darker and darker and darker and darker and then I'm like 
going to get a paternity test. Now, do you? How do you? How do you broach that question? Because I've ha- I've had awkward conversations oh, with plenty of people. Of course. Hey, you left the seat up. You're not doing the dishes. How do you? How do you approach that? When you go, hey, uh, obviously this baby is black. Sure. I'm not black. How does that conversation sure. go? Are you really angry? Uh, no. I'm uh, I'm one of those guys. Like The reason why I love doing comedy so much is I feel like in my head I'm always on display. I feel like I'm always – people are always watching me. Like I'm in my own version of the Truman Show. Okay. Uh, yeah, you seem like a guy who's always on. She's totally in my head all the time, like thinking all this stuff. So I a lot of times will do shit for a joke later on. Mm-hmm. So I just straight up said, this baby looks black. I'm going to get a test. Just straight up, and she. Uh, what was her reaction? She, no, it's not black. She, how do you how do you she, react to that? Well, it, well, also I told her she was like, you and I both know I wore condoms every single time we humped. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, are you sure you didn't sleep with anyone? She goes, okay. <laughs> she, 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 of course not. And I'm like, are you sure? I mean, it's okay. Because at the time when she was pregnant, I was still I was dating another girl, which both of them knew about each other. Okay. Um. That's adding to being uh, Brent the Great. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I tell you so what. So she she kept denying yep. that this. She goes, no, this baby is definitely yours. Yep, absolutely. And I was like, well, because my, my dad's got a little bit darker skin, but I am predominantly like my mom. Right. So you look, like, oh, you look, maybe you look pretty white. Pretty white. Pretty yeah. fucking fair. You look like you'd burn. Put it that right. way. This is not a birthmark. Let's put no. it that way. I'm really white. Um. So she. Uh, so I told her that, and and she 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 took the test. And she, she, well, she didn't really know that I did it because I, I, I just kind of did it. Now, what do you mean? I just kind of did it one night over Thanksgiving break. You, you got some of her DNA no, to be tested? No, I got the baby's DNA. Oh, okay, the baby's well, DNA. Because I knew it was her baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was there, I was there when they cut that thing out of her stomach. It was crazy. I'm not even sure if it's your baby. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're lying to me so much. How do I even believe that it's your baby? You bitch. I knew it. Uh, it's like that episode in uh, Arrested Development with yeah. uh, Maggie Lizer. Anyway, sorry. No, that's um, cool. She, uh, so I did it, uh, and she just – and I told her. I was like, so I did a paternity test, and she, like, stopped in her tracks. <laughs> uh, and I was like, this is not a good sign. And I was like, so – Did you – sorry, just to clarify. Yeah. You did actually do the paternity oh, test. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I, I thought maybe you could have just said that to her to get her to Oh, camp, no. But... I absolutely did. I, th- that that would have been a lot cheaper. Yeah. Well, you would not actually had to have done true. it. That's, oh, that would have been a wage. But then, I, but then I would have been that asshole. But then, maybe in the back of your head, you might have doubted yeah. it. So it's, you get the definite, definite, I got the definite answer, and it wasn't from Maury, which I wish I would have done. Right, uh, TV credit. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You might have seen him on Maury, and that ain't my baby. <laughs> Give it up for Brent the Great. Um, so I told her that it, it wasn't mine, and then uh, I was like, "All right." So I did the paternity test, and it came back negative. And she pauses and she goes, shut up. Like, she thought I was kidding. Yeah. And I go, I wish I was joking. <laughs> and I pause for a little bit longer. And I'm like, so I think we need to have a dialogue one more time. Are you sure you didn't sleep with anyone else? Now, holds the baby at this time? Uh, at this time, the baby was a month old. I did it quick. Because okay. he darkened up pretty quick. Yeah. Now, had you bonded to the baby at all? Was there was there like some emotional, or were you sort of? I had in the back of your head knew this wasn't right. Anytime any man uh, does not want to have a baby and is quote forced into it, my words, forced into it, right? But then accepts it and is like, all right, fine, I'm not gonna be that fucking dude. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna do it. It wasn't planned. You you kind of change a little bit. You grow up a lot. You um, learn to embrace it, mm-hmm. and I did embrace it, and that was uh I mean, it was it was life. It changed my life, and then it changed my life again. 
So I, I'm a lot older. I'm a lot wiser now for, for how old I actually am. Yeah, that, that um, kind of hits you. It really does, and it's tough to kind of – So now I'm I'm kind of sure. jumping ahead. She, I'm assuming she caved then when she you did. converted – She did. She told me that, that she, she slept with another dude. She claimed one time. Which, I mean, at this oh, point... Oh, you know, like, of course. Yeah, that's going to win. Oh, okay, well, that's okay. One time. It's like, yeah. It's like w- when your parents catch you getting drunk. You're like, oh, this was the first time I've ever <laughs> exactly. been drunk. Right, right. That's the first the, time. The baby's already drunk. here. It doesn't matter how many times. Right. Oh, okay, you had sex the 30 times. Well, that totally <laughs> changes it. No, it's a baby. It's you only like, need yeah. to have sex once. And it's a black baby. one, you bitch. <laughs> so, I, uh, so I asked her about it, and she said she, she slept with someone else, and then uh, she... Uh, what did she do? She oh, I asked her. I was like, "Well, did you use a condom?" And she didn't. Have an answer. <laughs> I was like, "You fucking retarded!" But then at some point, you got to stop asking these questions just to torture yourself. Because if oh, she lied true. about the black baby that's being true. yours, what do you think she's going to be upfront about the birth control that's methods? True. Well, that's true. Well, she never even totally admitted that he was black. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's definitely darker than I am because this baby is fucking dark. Right. Somewhere there was some black DNA. That's right. He he has white hair, but he's fucking, he's got some dark skin, which is weird though because I wanted to kind of, kind of wanted to keep it after I found out because I've been trying to breed some athletic genes in this family for a right. long time. And I figured, hey, black baby, that's an easy way to do it. Yeah. But that's uh, a I nice shortcut. I wanted to save my money. Well, that's, and it's probably for the best. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Well, totally random story, right? You, no, you no, I like that curve. I like that, man. I like that. So, where can people get more Brent the Great? You can find me at brentthegreat.com. You can also uh, go to denvercomedian.com. I am lucky enough to own every one of those websites. Okay. Denvercomedian.com. Just part of the great package. And, uh, everything. Um, and then uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Brent the Great, and Twitter, BTG Comedy. Tweet, tweet. I'm All right. Well, thanks a lot. It's uh, Brent the Great interview. I appreciate yes. you coming on the program. Thank you for having me. And uh, best of luck in the Laugh Track Comedy Festival. Hell yeah, appreciate, appreciate it, man. Everybody. Thank you. The Laugh Track episode continues. I'm here in the green room with Doug X. Doug, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. How's uh, how's Denver treating you so far? Uh, Denver has been pretty amazing. Uh, I got in on Wednesday, and uh, just like every day, finding some... Wonderful magic that Denver has to offer. Now, where are you? Where are you? Where are you coming from? Uh, right now, I'm in Los Angeles, but I'm from Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're okay. So you do comedy based out of Las Vegas mostly, or um, right? I'm working into L.A. right now. So yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Bouncing well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see you around there doing some mics. Yeah. Now, what what um what convinced you to come out here to the Laugh Track Festival? Well, actually, um, being from Las Vegas, uh, the Nix Brothers, who are the um, Curators of the okay. festival is that is that what yeah the I guess guys is? guys running the festival the guys running it uh, yeah curator we, we seems something. like a strong word <laughs> it's not it's not a museum it's a couple guys getting together getting drunk telling jokes <laughs> yeah so but those dudes uh, I know them from Vegas and we used to do some uh, films together back then and I just read that they were putting on this festival so I I uh, shot a shot them a YouTube URL thing and cool and they said yes. Nice. Yeah. So what, you primarily you do uh, films, or do you do stand-up more? Uh, right now I'm concentrating on the stand-up. Uh, it kind of, that's actually been the thing. Uh, for the past 10 years, I've been dabbling Going in, back in and too forth. many things when I should have probably just focused on one thing. Yeah, that's the tough thing about show business because you don't want to limit your opportunities, but in reality it helps to really have a clear defined thing of like, this is my best thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of get uh, bogged down there. So what... 
You're living in Las Vegas. I've I've visited Las Vegas plenty of times. Had uh, plenty of good times. Plenty of bad times by losing <laughs> money and stuff like that. What's it like being a Vegas native? Um, let's see. I th- I think I'm probably a little abnormal. Uh, so like most of my friends, they could do it and uh, succeed and be fine with it. I think I got lost in it too much. That's actually why I had to leave. Oh, okay. But uh, sorry. Right. Now, what what happened that you were kind of getting overwhelmed in the Vegas lifestyle? Well, what's great and awful about Vegas is that you could be whoever you want. Like 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 if as a tourist coming in, you kind of you leave your identity behind. You yeah. have something new. And, like, I was very happy to do that every weekend. <laughs> yeah. As a native, I guess I never thought that you could just go, hey, I'm from Missouri. Yeah. Or, hey, this week I'm from uh, Mississippi. Or, yeah. I, I had keep a, those I, states. But, hey, I'm from Florida. I'm an architect. Next week, hey, I'm from uh, I'm from Wyoming. I'm a, I'm a cowboy. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had this terrible... British accent that I, I tried to get away with. Now you're, are you? Um, I'm. So, I don't mean to be. You're Asian guy, right? Yes. I'm okay. Asian now, guy. Um, now, <laughs> that's interesting. Can you give me a little bit of the British accent? Oh, I don't. <laughs> it's probably got a little bit better since then, but it was pretty much just based on Monty Python movies, <laughs> or maybe some like old Doctor. What Who. is your favorite color? <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would try and hit on chicks with. Uh, you got the coconuts <laughs> out. Yeah, with the with the with the. Well, a handkerchief head, yeah. hat, hat, but uh, oh yeah, you know, just a little more, a little more. What what's all this then? <laughs> what's all this then? So now, okay, give me a uh, take me through a typical weekend where you kind of get lost in the oh. Vegas lifestyle. Like what? First off, did you have a or have you had a day job out in Las Vegas for the most of the time? Yeah, yeah. Okay, now so what are you doing during the day? Um, well, it depends, like. I've been very fortunate in Vegas that, like, the jobs I've had have been interesting enough and, like, kind of fun enough. I used to work at the Star Trek experience. Oh, uh, wow. Which was just great and uh, completely spoiled me. Now I'm sitting at a at Yeah, a so take us – what's a, uh, a nine-to-five day at the Star Trek <laughs> experience? What exactly were you doing there? Uh, I played one of the uh, one of the Borg. Oh, really? You played my, a Borg? Yeah, it was uh, 11 of 16 okay. was my designation and uh, – it was it was the best thing. It was the best job. I've See now had. that that sounds like a cool job too, yeah. or just like hey, it's not a normal job. But does that get boring every day? Waking up, dressing up as a Borg. I did th- you did you do some acting? I've never been to the experience. <laughs> I don't understand what the mm-hmm. Borg do. Well, uh, it can get boring, and uh, and I think I've probably just had a bad reaction to it because it was my job. But now looking back, it was just perfect. Yeah. So like, uh, you would get in maybe do an hour of makeup like. I was covered in latex from head to toe, except for my eye, one of my eyes, and my mouth, and then everything else was like latex. Um, and then for the ride, there was like a ride thing where you had to like you toured a space station, and the Borg were attacking the space station. So it was just walk slowly towards the guest, <laughs> and then like you know jack into the system or whatever jack into the system yeah that sounds uh, yeah. sounds very odd but meaning you do the borg whatever yeah. their mind meld computer yeah, into I'll the touch the touch the plastic screen and then but the be- uh what well, was better than that sometimes we would get a shift just walking around like the the gift shop area and the the restaurant oh okay pictures. now that seems like a little you can do they let you improvise a little bit just i mean obviously bit. you can't do any Non-board character yeah, stuff. But. Yeah, the the guys who were Klingon, they were kind of spoiled in that. Like, oh, they could man. do whatever. They kinda, I mean, like, they have their warrior character, of course. But, like, for me, it's just, like, 
We will adapt. <laughs> Affirmative. Yeah, exactly. Right, because the whole point of the Borg are that they have no personality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that they're exactly like each other. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're uh, I don't want to say slaving away. You got the <laughs> 9 to 5 Borg gig Which is working awesome. at the yeah. Star Trek experience. And then at night, take me through a little, uh, what's your game plan? You go somewhere for a pregame drink, then you go Let's here see. for some babes. Are you, are you in a group of guys that are going out? Are you rolling solo? Let's see. How does it work? It depended on, like, like I had so many options that it really depended. But uh, I guess I could uh, I could always start off just walking the strip. And, you know, what's nice about that, you could have a container of alcohol with you right. at all times. And uh, there would be just times me and my buddies just watch the Bellagio fountains yeah. and just get hammered. <laughs> <laughs> bags of what was it? I can see that minus myself as a Vegas uh, native. I mean, you know, yeah. when it, growing up in Pennsylvania, we used to just hang out by the train tracks and drink. I so I guess yeah. that's probably the uh, Las Vegas equivalent. That is our yeah. That has to be the equivalent because like we were, it was still like brown bags of Boone's Farm and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, wherever I, I I found all these just it has so many different options. So like I would go to I would go to like what was the name of the place? I would go to like cheetahs instead of chemistry class <laughs> in college. Oh, so you went to you went to college there as well? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now that seems really tough. Yeah. Oh, so, so like, yeah. The 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 story. It was the chemistry final, and uh, I was like, the last the night before, I was out pretty late. I was like, I'm gonna wake up early. I'm gonna I'm gonna bone bone up on the books. I'm gonna hit hit them hard and uh, just 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 take the test. And so like, I wake up. You know, maybe nine o'clock in the morning, like ready to ready study, to go, even, like driving to the library. It's like, or I could go to Cheetahs. <laughs> <laughs> so nine a.m. instead of going to the library, you head to Cheetahs. Yeah, was it worth it? Yeah, the day yeah. shift. I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, of day shift. Um, day shift Cheetahs. Day shift. Any dancers? I, I, they have a bad rap. Like people are like scared of. What what uh, a strip club has to offer in now the, is in it the day. what's give me a couple tips I don't know if you have you ever brought home a stripper what <laughs> for a guy who's going to Vegas on a trip what's the kind of move to get the stripper back to your place oh I wonder it has happened but I think it's just all luck it's just all luck of the draw you go to enough like, strip clubs enough times eventually you'll find one that's you, actually interested in yeah you. you find yeah you find the one you could connect to I think like. I guess maybe the best way is to just like have a real conversation. Yeah, but who but wants that? You're at a strip club. That's kind of I don't go for it. Oh, hey, let's. I want to find a woman I can open up to. No, you're at a strip club. But that, <laughs> but it is funny. That's a lot of guys who are lonely to say, or yeah. you hear strippers say like, "Yeah, some guys just want to talk in the back room." Oh, I've yeah. never, oh, I've I never wouldn't... been that guy. I've never hung out with that guy. I don't know that guy, but I'm sure those guys exist. Yeah, I find I find one with a bar and just post up at the bar and be just be cool. You know like, try to act like you're above it uh the, the biggest tip i could give is be yourself <laughs> if one person <laughs> gives that tip one more time i hate, i hate that tip it's the most generic bl- bland boring tip <laughs> and the idea that if i'm soliciting advice it means being myself <laughs> isn't working isn't obviously so inherently being yourself is the first option mm-hmm. that's what got you <laughs> To failure. Then you started trying, oh, I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Being yourself yeah. created the failure that led you to try other options and even asking advice. Yeah, yeah. Now, you talked right. about doing a character. Can you give me a, 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 like, is there an anecdote of, oh, my God, this was the craziest lie that I kind of, quote, unquote, pulled off on someone? Oh. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, 
I had this friend, uh, we went to college, uh, her name is Jackie, and uh, it was so fun to just have someone that wants to do, like, ex- extended, improvised. Uh, <laughs> you're you're in it for the long haul. And it's just, like, all night. Like, we did, uh, one night we did a, uh, we were this fake Russian spy couple. <laughs> Uh, that old gag? That old gag, and we had a full costume, and, like, we had our accents on. It was so nice. Like, our accents were started at 4 p.m. until, like, we passed out from, <laughs> from vodka. Uh, and But, like, in the morning, like, it was we couldn't even shake them off. We were just like, I had, I had so much fun last night. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe everyone was having a good time. But uh, there was one time we were just at a bar, and uh, a guy a guy came up. Uh, to us and just said i don't know wanted to tell us we were hey you guys are cool i don't know what he was doing he was probably trying to hit on her in front of me exactly but she was cool enough to no he's just a guy who wants to tell you're cool man (laughs) why are you why are you beating yourself up man other guys (laughs) recognize your game they see hey man he's cool and she uh and she told him that i was a train conductor (laughs) yeah and uh and we just went like 30 minutes And, like, my knowledge of the train industry or, or conducting or, or piloting a plane or train uh, <laughs> is pretty limited. Right. So, And he was a lot of follow-up questions with this lot, guy? Yeah, it's a lot of follow-up questions. And, like, so then I just I, – I, I was like, well, I'm not a conductor yet, but I'm, study- <laughs> I'm see, studying. I'm studying to that's be. The, see, that's that's how you win over on a lot. Yeah. You say you, – you make it up so weird that the, the guy on the other end, maybe at first his bullshit meter's going off going – Eh, something doesn't sound right. But then in the back of his head going, oh, what kind of asshole would lie about being an yeah. almost train conductor? Like, I know if I was having that conversation, I'd go, oh, if he's making it up, he's going to say he's at least a train conductor. Yeah, it's but see, a, that's where you're good, Doug. That's where you go, scale it back one notch. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the key to lying or pulling this off is that something crazy, but maybe the apprentice of something yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. You just have to like the slightest, slightest detail and not, not, yeah, not, not put it, push it too far. And it was yeah, so we're just going back and forth about like, like oh, when did how did you get into that? I was like, well, my dad was a, was a conductor, and like I kind of I hated him for that for a while. And it was just like, it was just this whole backstory. Then I grew, backstory. then I then I grew to love my dad and the profession, and, and realized he was a simple, honest man just trying to put a put a put a roof over my head and give me a hot meal. And then I decided that you know I, I shouldn't be so angry at him. And yeah, sure he was tough on me at the time, but that's the way his father raised him. You know he 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 grew up in the depression era, and I shouldn't be so tough on him. <laughs> yeah, and he's. And he's nodding. The whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. Yeah, me too. Wow, that sounds crazy. And then just, I think, just I forgot what what pushed it. Was I there think, an end, in the back of your head? Was there an end game? Like, were you gonna get the guy to invest in your train company, <laughs> or hey, so let me borrow twenty dollars? Like, no, was there no? There was no ultimate motive. No motive out, outside of just you know having fun and like fucking with this dude. Uh, and then I think uh, I forgot. I don't know what exactly clicked, but something happened. I think I said something that was just a little too much, and he just like stood up. I was like, I just wanted to make friends, and then, <laughs> and then walked away. And I was like, Oh, what uh, I, I like, what did, where did I slip up? Yeah. So Aww. now he's bummed out because yeah, he just wanted a friend, man. Yeah. Some guys go to Vegas just to make friends. <laughs> well, I felt like uh, I made a new friend in oh, Doug, a nice. uh, Vegas native. Doug, uh, where can people uh, check you out? Uh, well, let's see. Um, uh, if you're in the Left Track <laughs> Comedy Festival. Sure, uh, like today. online. Do you have a, a Facebook <laughs> oh, web page? Yes, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on the Facebook.com forward slash Doug X. Everything's forward slash Doug X. E-C-K-S? E-C-K-S. D-O-U-G-E-C-K-S. Okay. Uh, also on the Twits. 
Uh, I'm about to delete my MySpace because right. I get throw that it. throw that piece of junk out. Ah, gosh, uh, Friends with Benefits, uh, the movie with Justin Timberlake, friended me this morning. I was like, <laughs> I don't need any. I don't friends. want a, a Friends with Benefits with Friends with Benefits. Yeah. Okay, uh, so what's your what's your Twitter handle? Where can people check you out there? Uh, Doug X as well at okay. D O U G E C K S, and then like uh, the Facebook is the what gets most updated. So. I'll put the shows up on there and uh, and other little bits and fun funlets. All right. Hang well, out. Doug, uh, thanks for coming on the program. Really appreciate it, man. Great. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Man. This was fun. Should have seen she was really naive Shit, she was still only 19 And he was many years older